And so I'm so excited even to get back to my happy place because I know that the freedom that accompanies it is absolutely worth it. The liberation that comes from being at peace with yourself and being able to put your mental and emotional health first and saying, you know what? I'm going to let myself exist unsuppressed. I'm going to let my body give me the guide that it needs. It's going gonna, it's gonna to choose where it wants to be. I'm going to trust it and I'm going to live my best life. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and it's a pleasure, as always, to have you here listening. I so, so appreciate all of you listening every week, every other week, tuning in here and there. It's just amazing to have this little community, actually pretty big community, (laughs) through the podcast and also through Instagram as well. And I'm very excited for today's guest, actually. She's one of those beautiful souls I've been connected with on Instagram for a while now, very just so much admire her work and her just the words she used the way she shares her story and helps others and so it was such an honor and just a absolute delight absolute pleasure to have Imogen Barnes on the podcast this episode as you can see by the title is all about fuck diet culture and the true cost of dieting we are diving into the realm of eating disorders eating disorder recovery active recovery pseudo recovery all everything like if that's the big umbrella and we're talking about everything underneath it uh it's just the type of work and the type of words she shares and the impact she wants to create with her audience and community which is very much so aligned with my own this conversation is just one that i wish i had heard back when i was struggling much more in my own relationship to food and body image and exercise and all of it And I was even thinking about it um, last night, actually. I had a night off work, which a Friday night off work, which is rare enough. Uh, But then also my other two best friends from work had the night off. And so we thought we need to capitalize on this and go out because we also all had Saturday morning off, you know, and it's like, what is this magic? (laughs) Perfect. So we, two of us started out going out to eat and we were going to this restaurant I'd never been to before. And I felt my old anxiety creeping in about like, oh my God, like the menu. I don't, I don't know anything on the menu. And I'm pretty good about just letting food freedom fly, you know, and going with the flow more lately with food. And I don't have to have it be dairy-free or gluten-free or any of that. But something about not knowing the menu at all and not knowing those options were even there if I wanted them just kind of started to freak me out. And I just had to remind myself like, Emily, this is not what life is about. You've been doing the work to work through this. Like, let's just relax. And so sure enough, we go, we get some fun cocktails, we get some good food and, you know, dairy, like I was just eating it, you know, and I just kept reminding myself and I felt so happy to remind myself, like, this is what recovery is for moments like this. And we just spent hours chatting and eating the food and drinking the drinks. And it was so fun. And then we went out to the next place and met up with some more friends and we got more drinks and I was still hungry and I let myself get like toast and hummus and peanut butter and jelly like I I just I kept feeling little nudges or old thoughts pop up as I have been struggling more so lately with just old thoughts old habits especially relating to body image and 
I just kept reminding myself all night long, this is not what life is about. This, like this present moment, enjoying yourself, not thinking about the food and the ingredients and the calories and the drinks and all that, and instead being present with your friends and laughing and having fun, that's what life's about. Like that's the secret sauce, my friend. And I just, at the end of the night, you know, I was feeling a little discombobulated, (laughs) tired, bloated, puffy, and I still am quite so this morning. And I just keep going back to that reminder. And I keep actually thinking of friends of mine like Imogen and like the work she's doing and the life I do want to have and create that is free from these disordered thoughts, from these fears, from this just diet culture mentality. And so if you're in a spot, maybe you're really struggling, maybe you just have old things popping in every now and then, maybe you're somewhere in between, uh, we just overall want to remind anyone listening that eating disorders and disordered eating don't have any one look or shape or size or any one description to them or even a label. They are so multidimensional in a not so great way <laughs> that they can really impact a lot of people in a lot of different ways. And so we just really want this conversation to also validate anything that you're experiencing or feeling because if you're able to validate these struggles or these issues or these mentalities whatever it is if you're able to validate them and admit like yeah I'm struggling or yeah this is hard blah 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 you're then able you're one step closer to being able to get help or to ask for help or to seek out a resource or support you know whether that's through an episode like this or a therapist or telling someone you love or just working on it with yourself of, oh, I'm not going to wear my Apple watch or I'm going to eat these fear foods for a week and see how I feel. Like whatever it is, we just really want this conversation to A, be a reflection of both of our own experiences and stories to be that mere reflection of like, this is what it can look like. These are like little things that the media always doesn't portray correctly. And then we also want to provide like that mindset and tools of freedom from this all is possible. You can recover. You can be in recovery. And it's all about advocating for yourself in those moments, advocating for others in your life. We go into why weight doesn't define self-worth, but how tricky the two can be when they do, you know, feel like they're combined. We talk about the fat phobic and diet influenced medical care world, the health at every size approach to recovery, gaining weight, and even support for a little setback or for a relapse. And I think this is a very vulnerable, honest conversation from both of our ends. And so I just really hope that it it resonates and you know helps in some way, makes you feel less alone, gets you thinking anything like that. And if it does, please let us know. We are both so open. Like we are people person to a T. We love to connect. We love to chat. We love to have conversations and discussions and hear differing points of views or whatever it is. So please feel free to always reach out. I'm on Instagram at Emily Feichels and Imogen is on there at I'm powering. So that will be I am underscore powering p-o-w-e-r-i-n-g that'll be all linked below so all that being said we would just love to connect we'd love to hear your thoughts and i really hope this episode just brings you something in one form or another and so without further ado let's begin what you mentioned earlier how i think there can be the misconception that an eating disorder disordered eating anything like that is vanity driven right it's like oh you want to be skinny thin like insert any word there right 
And what a lot of people don't understand is the full picture of what an eating disorder or disordered eating, disordered relationship to your body, any of these terms, what it can actually look like, what can actually prompt it, like the mental and emotional side of it, which is what I really like to highlight in these episodes, because I think it is not discussed quite enough. There's not quite enough awareness around it. So I'm curious, since this is something like I, I'm sure you've shared about it, but I'm kind of blanking on it now. Like, when did this all start for you? Like, when was your first introduction to diet culture, right? And I'm sure this shifted over time, your relationship to this entire journey, but I'm just curious, like what, what started it for you? Or was there anything that sort of like was a slow progression into it per se? So I was actually thinking about this and I was thinking of my kind of the first memory that I can associate with my body or um, at least feeling shame towards my body. And it was actually, I was really young. So I would have been about seven or eight. And I went to my friend's house. Um, we were having a play date and she had a pool and we were in the pool for hours. I was having a blast. <laughs> like I was having the time of my life. Um, and towards the end of our swim, she got out before me and said, oh, I need to lay in the sun. I'm really cold. Um, and I said, oh, I'm not. And I went carried on playing. Uh, and she said to me, you must have more body fat than I do because you're able to stay warm longer. And upon reflection, that's actually a really physiologically accurate, uh, you know, (laughs) observation to make. Like fat is insulating and it keeps you warm. It's fantastic. And, you know, it actually let me play a lot longer. So I should have been really um, appreciative of the fact. But it was the first time I'd ever kind of felt embarrassed. Mm -hmm. And it goes to show the subliminal messages that I was constantly, we're all constantly subjected to. And I had internalized the message that fat was something to be embarrassed about and perhaps an inferior body tissue, which is obviously false, right? There is no such thing as an inferior body tissue. There's no morality associated or tied to body fat versus muscle, for instance. There's nothing like that. But in the moment, I was embarrassed and I thought it was the first time I felt different and I wanted to change for the sake of fitting in and being accepted, which is really sad given how young I was. Um, in saying that, it obviously didn't, wasn't at the start of my, like it didn't alone, wasn't the catalyst to an eating disorder. And I actually went for a lot of long time beyond that. So until I was about 15, without actually having a disordered relationship with food, you know, it was something I was aware of. But unfortunately, that's something that's really common in society nowadays, you know, this body awareness and perhaps insecurity I hope I can I hope we can change that one day I hope we can celebrate all bodies and it not insecurity not be something that we associate with our physical form but um yeah so until I was about 15 I just was your average self-conscious teenager um and then when I was 15 I I had so I suffered with quite severe obsessive compulsive disorder and I think for me the biggest factor to me developing an eating disorder was my obsessive compulsive tendencies Mm. and so I was really obsessed with cleanliness for a while I was very the like the epitome of the OCD stereotype Um, I washed my hands really frequently I spent hours doing these like repetitive checking tasks and it was really all consuming and because of that I was put on a medication that I was told by my psychiatrist at the time could influence my weight you know it might make my weight go up and she said to me just watch what you eat and it was like 
a fixation. You know, it was like in that moment I had a new obsession and I was like, I had this for the first time ever, like this sense of mistrust in my body. And like, I had to micromanage it, you know, like I didn't have a choice, you know, I've been told I have to watch what I eat. So that's what I'm going to do. And it didn't take long at all before this, you know, this preoccupation with my weight and the movement I was performing and what I was eating turned into a complete, fully fledged eating disorder, right? Like it doesn't take long before those cognitions really, it just take over your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny, diet culture is, is really reinforcing. Uh, it really enables an eating disorder cognition. Uh, so in the early stages of my uh, eating disorder, I got a lot of external like validation and celebration of this change in my body shape that was occurring that no one actually understood was secondary to mental illness essentially I was performing behaviors that were inherently unhealthy but because I was for a moment epitomizing this wellness ideal it was celebrated and that was really really conflicting as an individual who was suffering do you know what I mean I was really having a hard time with my relationship with food and my body and it was being congratulated so it was like well is there really a problem it it really started that that internal dialogue that was like an eating disorder already tells you you're not sick enough and then mm-hmm. on top of that you're being just praised just praised yeah exactly um and if, so I I was stumbling through the, on that path for a while and I was in denial that there was a problem probably because of diet culture and the fact that how I looked at the time was literally how we epitomized this health ideal and that made getting treatment and even believing I had an issue in the first place like it felt impossible Uh, and it's really funny you'd think that the treatment medical kind of profession would be immune to diet culture and that kind of fat phobia messaging but it's not unfortunately fat phobia infiltrates even those systems and so when I first went to a dietitian um because I I kind of gone beyond what society thought looked healthy at this point Mm -hmm. um and they were people in my personal life were starting to show concern for the my change in behavior and physique and so I went to a dietitian who popped me on the scale at the start of the appointment, you know, and then she briefly took my history and I explained to her that I'd had these new anxieties revolving around food that had lent themselves to a restricted intake. And, you know, I was preoccupied with my appearance and it was having a detrimental effect on my mental health. And she said to me, well, you're still a healthy weight, so it's not an eating disorder. And in that moment, you can, like, I was so lost at this point already. I already had so much confusion towards what I was experiencing. And in that moment, I just felt so invalidated and so embarrassed to have sought help for something that was apparently not a problem and that I wasn't sick enough to warrant a diagnosis or treatment or anything of the like pertaining to an eating disorder, that is. But I also wasn't healthy anymore enough to be congratulated by society. And it was such a, it was a weird place to exist. I was like, I'm not enough for the medical industry and I'm not enough for society and I don't feel enough for myself anymore. And that's really so, so harmful. And for someone that's in a, already suffering a disordered cognition 
it's like adding fuel to a fire. It was like, well, I don't feel sick enough. So in order to get validation for this or whatever, I'm going to have to wait till I get sicker. You know, apparently that's what has to happen, which is obviously not the case. And I wish I had been able to see a health at every size practitioner at that time. I see one of those. I have a fantastic dietitian now who's Hayes, so health at every size aligned. And I know if I had seen her at that time, my illness and the trajectory it took could have been really different because she's very like hazelined practitioners. I obviously appreciate the fact that health can exist at every size, but so can poor health and so can an eating disorder and eating disorders don't have looks and the treatment and validation for them should not depend upon you hitting these, ticking these, you know, arbitrary criteria like boxes that provides such a barrier to getting help and treatment so I unfortunately I went off on my way after my first ever dietitian appointment and just got a lot quote-unquote more sick I then fell into the actually I was and this is a bizarre thing to say out loud that I was fortunate which is twisted but fortunate enough that I ended up being in the very minority of the population you know the very slim amount of people in the eating disorder population that ended up fairly unwell and emaciated I mean so I shouldn't use the term unwell and then pair it with the term emaciated because we know that the two being emaciated is not the only thing that means you're unwell definitely not um so I eventually so had to get treatment. But it was, upon me. it was you reaching that point of like, I mean, like yeah, that extreme of a point for people to, for like initiative to finally be taken. Correct. Yeah. To be externally validated. Right. So my heart goes out because I have been there. Um, and I know that some people spend the, most people actually spend the entirety of their eating disorder not looking quote unquote like they have an eating disorder Mm -hmm. and that is the most oh the complete and utter denial that there is a problem from the outside world is so confusing and so harmful to someone who is honestly suffering beyond belief and because they don't epitomize the stereotypical ideal they just cannot access support they cannot access validation and that is so profoundly necessary for you to have recovery like a chance of recovery you know what I mean like if you can't have a problem acknowledged how can you have a problem treated you know mm-hmm. so I I then that's what's really twisted I consider myself lucky to have gotten to have gotten to a point of there being physical compromise and I shouldn't consider myself lucky for that you know I wish anyone should be able to seek validation and support for their eating disorder regardless of how it manifests physically for them and I wish we could oh diet culture is so so prohibiting of so many things and acknowledgement of suffering is one of those things so I yeah so twisted so I like I get what you mean with that right like it shouldn't that feeling of like oh I was fortunate enough or you know thankfully this happened like so twisted yet so unfortunately true 
And like, that was exactly what happened with me when I first fell into disordered eating. It, you know, it was about eight, nine months until I got to the point where it went from everyone praising me for months to suddenly everyone's like, oh, oh, like your weight, you know, like you're too, you're too this, you're too that, you're too that. Like, we need to get you treatment. We need to get you this. Like it reached such an extreme that immediately, right. I was put into treatment. Unfortunately, like treatment got me physically back up to weight yet did nothing for anything else. But then like the real journey, right. Was when I came back and from that point forward, I've never dipped below this steadfast weight. And because of that, like the past nine years of me struggling through disordered eating, orthorexia, more subtle disorder tendencies has gone completely unrecognized until I've started sharing about it on social media because of exactly what we're talking about here. And like, that's why I wanted you to like share your story. And I want us to have this discussion because I have friends, I have people in my life that like, I just, I want people to know that like, I want there to be that awareness and acknowledgement that you can have disordered mindsets around food, body image, exercise, et cetera, without being a certain size or weight, without having a diagnosis, without requiring this type of treatment, right? Like it's such a open and vast field, but unfortunately it's like, there's just not representation of that. Well, there is, right? And it's growing, but it's not as mainstream and it's not as widespread quite yet to really reach people as it needs to in order to make change happen I think absolutely and the way that you put that like people assume weight restoration is the same as recovery and I think that too is such oh it's it's so laced in harm and it's it's uh, it's so difficult too because sometimes like I can definitely I can say with certainty that the most unwell I've been mentally has coincided with relative physical health mm-hmm. and during those times you can't people assume you're better and people assume that you're doing really well you might be told you're doing really well and it's so so difficult to access support even with people that aren't even perfect you know not professional relationships even just families and friends they can just we just we put too much weight literally Mm -hmm. on body weight we put way too much emphasis on physically rehabilitating people and that being the that's important yes but it is not it is not where healing begins and I honestly think weight restoration is like ground zero for an eating disorder sufferer because not everyone has to do it first of all um many people they might have to wait restore to their their personal set point but not a lot of people do that classic like Mm -mm. drop below x have to be refed to whatever like some people just restore weight to their set point and that's that's perfectly normal um and you know what's really funny not funny at all actually but someone's healthy set point is higher you know it's in the higher end and then they lose weight to a point of perhaps being residing in an average quote-unquote body size and then their body naturally, when they cease eating disorder behaviors and they regain their healthy relationship with food and their body naturally evolves to the place it wants to sit healthily, which is a BMI that's higher than average, whatever average is, then they're like shamed that somehow, you know, oh, their health kicks over, right? Like what happened to you? And if anything, it's like, no, I was unhealthy. I was unhealthy when I was acceptable by your standards and now I'm healthy again. And 
oh it's imagine how if you didn't have the knowledge yourself and we didn't have this growing voice of representation and acknowledgement that suffering can occur at any time size imagine how confusing that would be to someone who's you know not long ago we didn't understand the set point theory there was no talk of anything like that and then so for someone that's lives really healthily in a body that just happens to be a, a larger than average like that would have been completely completely prevented them getting help completely prevented them from even acknowledging their own suffering and for healing it all and it's it's devastating and I wish I think too there's so many more people suffering subtly than we than we think and things like men I think the statistics for men versus women in the concept of eating disorders is there appears to be women that suffer predominantly but sometimes I just think is that just because men aren't feeling safe enough to reach out and seek support? Is that because they don't have the awareness that the behaviours that they're performing are inherently unhealthy? You know, is that a true statistic or is it a reflection of our inability to acknowledge suffering as a society? So, yeah. yes. I think that is true. I mean, I know for me personally, I'm sure like everyone listening when I say this, right, like you're going to think of that time when this happened, right, where I was at this weight that I thought at the time was my ideal weight, right? I was like, oh, this is me. And I would get compliments of like, oh, you look so healthy. Oh, like specific on specific parts of my body, right? Like, oh, this looks so good. Or, oh, you know, you're so healthy, blah, blah, blah. And so then in the past year, when I've really started year, year and a half, and I've really started to like gain back weight and get to my set point, which if anyone, I suggest if anyone hasn't really like heard or read much into that, like look it up, but it's essentially just, understanding that right like bodies are not meant to be all one one way and a set point can mean that your standard of health is much different at different weights and for me it was coming to understand in the past like really year that my set point even though I do have thin privilege my set point is higher than I've ever felt comfortable in and it's reframing my mindset of what health looks like to me And like you said, it's understanding that like back then when people saw me as healthy, my mental and emotional health was shit. And now it's my mental and emotional health takes priority and my body is settling into this form. And so I guess I'm curious for you, like, when did you really start to feel like healing was taking place? Like your body was kind of settling into its perhaps like more set point or natural set and when like your mind and emotions started to like settle in I'm just curious if there was like maybe not one moment but a series of moments or just a time when you truly started to feel that healing happen and it wasn't just like the prior recovery treatment like the typical let's just fix your physical form shape type absolutely and you know I really really completely resonated with what you said a few minutes ago about being restored physically in a treatment setting but coming out more or less in the same position you went in sometimes and I'm going to be completely frank you can come out from treatment in a worse headspace than you entered it if you that was me yeah 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 and that happened to me a few times as well and so I found myself in a new body relative to the one I entered treatment in and with worse cognitions and so the real healing for me Unfortunately for me, I um a couple of experiences I had were 
purely medical treatment. So I was put on in medical wards, unfortunately, which aren't facilitative, aren't conducive with healing at all. And so I was restored weight. Also, not even through the ability to rewire my own brain because I wasn't allowed to eat. They 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 refeed you, so they do it nasogastrically. And so you literally arrive in this body without having been able to challenge the cognitions um, that you were that you were the reason your body got to the point it did. Um, and the first time I can acknowledge that. Oh my goodness! Like when you put your mental health. I love that when it becomes a priority, you gain this appreciation for the way your and acceptance, I suppose, for where your body sits physically. Because I don't think it's any secret that living with a disorder, eating disorder in your mind, active in your mind, is hell on earth. It is hellish. And so I knew that, okay, I could see myself, I could look back and I could see photos of myself in a in a perhaps in a smaller frame and there is this really frustrating phenomenon that a lot of people with eating disorders experience where you look back upon times when you're in a smaller body and or you're you were more entrenched in your eating disorder and your eating disorder takes this moment and then makes it something that you feel nostalgia towards and you have this rose tinted glass phenomenon take place and you think oh life really was better when I was smaller and I think the real healing comes when you're in a recovered body or you've regained weight and you can appreciate that, okay, my body is bigger than it was now, then, sorry, but my life is back. I'm getting myself back and I am so willing to accept the fact that my body had to change to do so. I think that is the, the foundation of healing when you can say, okay, health is relative to context. So I looked quote unquote, healthier by fat phobic weight centric standards. But I know that the reality for me was far from healthy and my day-to-day existence wasn't worth existing for. You know, I, I didn't want to keep, I didn't want to keep going every day. That's how much pain that was associated with that figure. If that's what I have to do, if that is the reality that I have to exist in to have that body, then I don't want that body because I don't care how healthy it is to people from to other people. I don't care how people judge me or assume how healthy I am. Only I know what the reality is and only I have to live that reality out. And I'm not going to put up with a treacherous existence living, barely living with an eating disorder just to satisfy societal beauty standards or health, like misconceptions about health. I'm not, I'm not going to put myself through hell to have this figure for the sake of pleasing other people, you know, if my body, I too, um, my set point is that I definitely have thin privilege. Absolutely. I am not, I'm not ignorant to that at all, but my body weight is naturally probably on the higher end of average. And to be honest, I've gotten to the place now where I, I relapsed last year, kind of, <laughs> that's a bit of a story, but I'm not, I can acknowledge right now that I'm not sitting at my body's happy place Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm progressing towards that place. And I know that the cost of the weight that I lost was my life. And so I'm so excited even. Is that that a good way to put it? Mm -hmm. To get back to my happy place because I know that the freedom that accompanies it is absolutely worth it. The liberation that comes from being at peace with yourself and being able to put your mental and emotional health first and saying, you know what? 
I'm going to let myself exist unsuppressed. I'm going to let my body give me the guide that it needs. It's going to, it's going to choose where it wants to be. I'm going to trust it and I'm going to live my best life and do it in a body that my body decides is healthy, not society. And I know with confidence that my life when I was smaller was hell. And that's, you know, that's such a fallacy that being small and being quote unquote skinny lends itself to happiness. It's yeah, it's not. Well, and like that's what I always reflect on in moments when I guess like to go into, you know, you're saying cognitions and I, I think this is like, at least what I'm getting from that, but it's right. I always describe it as like the behaviors, thought patterns, thought processes of an eating disorder, like in your mind, like the, the like habits and the lifestyle that it practically builds for you and in you. And whenever I have moments of struggle, right. When an old thought or an old habit or an old urge that comes to the surface, cause I'm as, as with you, like still on this journey towards um, recovery, whenever one of those moments comes up, I have to remind myself, like, what is the cost? What is the price? Because back in that old body of mine, yes, like I was able to maintain it, quote unquote, but only at extreme cost, right? I was restrictive and obsessive about food. I was obsessive and overdoing with exercise. I missed out on XYZ activities. I had shit mental and emotional health. You know, I I was an entirely different person, but you know, if I did all that, then I could have the body and I've now gotten that. This is how I was explaining to my therapist. I know that like the recovery process is increasing and like I am moving forward is that I've now gone to the point where in those moments of struggle and, you know, when old things pop up for me, I willingly choose each time that I'm like, I am choosing life and I'm going to work through the body image stuff. I'm going to work through my struggles with weight gain because I'd rather have this life that I now have this freedom than to revert to those back old ways. I'd rather come to acceptance and compassion for my growing body and the weight gain and all of these changes, because in exchange, I get like a full, satisfying, phenomenal life. And I think that like when people can have, can work towards that transition or really come to that understanding, like even in the same way that you said it, I think like that can be such, such a good feeling. Such like oh, a my goodness. free feeling, such an indicator oh. of growth, you know? Yeah. And I think that's such a thing to focus on. You gain weight, but the weight that you gain is the least interesting aspect of what you're actually gaining. You are gaining passions back, your interests, your personality, your sense of self, your everything that makes you a vibrant human being and your will to live essentially. That's what you're also gaining. And that's much more phenomenal to focus on. It's a mass on a scale. Like if, the number on the scale increases and so does my absolute lust for life. You best believe that was 100% worth it. It's an and equal you just think, trade. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, wow, I could lose weight. Surely the option's always going to be there, but I'm going to have to acknowledge that it means losing everything that it makes, gives you will to live as well. So it's like, cool, I'll be smaller, but so will my world. Not worth it. We've, you know, you're just like, no, I'm actually going to choose a fulfilling, prosperous existence versus a, a barely, barely living existence. And all, no. no. And sometimes I think it's almost nice to make your weight gain political and just be like, 
no, actually, fuck beauty standards and yes. fuck diet culture. Yes. You know, like <laughs> I'm gonna be unsuppressed and I'm gonna I'm gonna show myself compassion and so much self-love. And you know what? Fuck anyone who wants to <laughs> who wants to argue with it. You know what I mean? Like you just have to get a bit radical about your self-acceptance and be like really proud of who you are and what you are unsuppressed and focus on living your best life and not satisfying the weird, skewed really unfair belief systems that exist in our society and beauty standards you know like you be you and let you be your superpower those are the moments when you shine brightest those are the moments that truly pull people into you and attract things into your life right when you have that like that just acceptance and self-value and self-worth acknowledgement and realization I've been like having a wave of that recently and the difference in the way, right? Like we, we think people perceive us so much by our bodies, right? And that's what drives so many of these issues. And yet what's crazy is that when you do start this recovery process and you start reclaiming these areas of your life and you get that mindset and you know your self-worth and you know your self-value and just this like sense of empowerment, you realize like that is what you see in others. And that is what others see in you most prominently, yes. right? Like there is some, like there, there are the people that glow, the people that shine, the people that just draw people in. And you realize at some point, like I've never once thought about how they look or their body or any of this. I've just been like in love or attracted or whatever to this person purely because of their essence. And like, I know, I don't know if you follow Emily from eat with care, but she and I talked about this on when she was on the podcast, like the essence you have is so much more important. And I think remembering that is like that's just what I tell myself on bad body image days right I'm just like like what's your essence right now like what are you giving off like I don't know it's just it's something to really think on I think yeah you are you you're the only you that exists and that's your superpower and do you know what it's actually you're so right in happiness and joy is so contagious and you are as humans, we, we aren't attracted. I know that sounds bizarre, but we're not attracted to looks at all. What attracts me to a person is entirely, entirely who they are and their essence. And never once have I ever, ever placed any value of someone or especially, you know, my dear, dear friends, the people that I love and I connect with, I don't, <laughs> their body has nothing to do with it. And you actually, do you ever stop and think I actually have put no thought towards their body at all? Mm-hmm. Why do I put so much towards my own? I had this, yeah, I, I had that like thought. I mean, I've had it before, but it really hit home with me like a few weeks ago because I've just made entirely new friends since moving. And I realized the one day I was really struggling with my body image and I had that same thought. I was like, holy fuck, like I, why am, why, why do I feel like people, these people in my life are thinking of this, me this way when never once have I thought, you know what I mean? Like, it's crazy. Crazy, like it's, it's such a simple thought, but like to have that realization. <laughs> oh, and do you know what? Do you know what's really actually because your eating disorder will, I feel like, inevitably at some point it's going to go. Oh, but people won't like you if you gain weight. And do you know what I really like to tell that part of my mind? Um, the reality is, when you're suppressed and you're suppressing your body weight and you're consumed by an eating disorder, you actually don't see your friends because you're too obsessive and preoccupied and having to perform all these rituals and whatever. Um, you don't have whole proper conversations because you have no capacity to concentrate your interests are void 
you have no essence to yourself at all, what part of gaining weight and recovering is going to prohibit you from from having connections when your eating disorder itself is the thing that's prohibiting you from having connections? Like, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure your friends are going to not, you know, like, oh, Imogen, oh, we don't like you now that you're in a larger body. You know, you've got all this, like, it was much nicer when you were, like, this vague vessel of a human that could barely hold eye contact or let alone have a conversation. You know, you were much funner as a friend back then. No one's going to say that. Like, people are going to embrace you as you grow because, like we said before, your weight that you're gaining is the least interesting thing. You completely transform as a person when you recover and you have this essence and lust for life return that is what people love you for and there's no way someone's ever going to think wow I really don't like you now you've gained weight and if they do if that one person does exist then let's be really glad that you've had that encounter because now you can just flick them out of your life happily mm-hmm. because like, honestly like the person that you become when you have an eating disorder it's not even it's nothing compared to the person that you really are and mm-hmm. the people that really truly love and appreciate you are absolutely going to love and appreciate you and embrace you whatever whatever body size that you exist in oh and I am myself I am I know for a fact that I'm a lot funner when I'm not just like a shell <laughs> a slave to an eating yeah. disorder right yep oh 100 percent it's that's what's been so cool for me is like thinking back and just seeing like how I've stepped into like myself right and that's and that's even being aware of and I I was going to ask you about this too but mindful and aware of moments when there can be like a step back or a slip up or in some cases like a relapse right like for me it's been about that's something I remember in those moments when tricky thoughts do come up is like who you are now like this is you like right like hold on to this like hold on to this this you don't like you don't we don't want to revert back to there and I'm just curious, like when you did have your relapse or, you know, setback, I, how, what, whichever you want to refer to it as like, what, what ultimately like brought you out of that again? Right. So I first want to say too, relapse is something that we always hear the phrase recovery isn't linear, you know, but I still think the room goes quiet whenever you say something, if whenever you acknowledge that you've relapsed, I think it's something that people still like, or, you know, there's a tension, like awkward. Oh, you, you know, you were doing so well. Um, and I think what we have to start, we have to normalize the conversation around relapse and it not being this demonstration that you've failed. In fact, I have learned I, the most I've ever learned about my eating disorder and about my recovery from slipping and from falling. Mm-hmm. And relapse provides this learning experience. You know, you find this fault in your initial recovery foundations and it's finding that fault addressing it and moving forward is so strengthening for your recovery so I relapsed I'm not no I was really reluctant to talk about it at the beginning because I thought people would assume I was some recovery fraud you know what I mean like oh oh you were supposed to be you know so recovered you were supposed to be really preaching recovery you know and I was like people are going to think I'm some failure and then I was like no you know like this has happened I'm going to address it um and that's nothing to be ashamed of and I'm a stronger person because of it I've become more resilient 
Um, but I think in the moments where you do struggle and you might have completely relapse or it might even be some like a day where you wake up and you've just feeling a little bit defeated and you have this urge to act on old behaviors or old urges perhaps I think it's really really profound to remind yourself of why you started the reality is if your eating disorder delivered you to this really happy joyful amazing place you wouldn't have ever contemplated recovery you would never have recovered right it was perfect if it was amazing it would have you would have kept living that life and you didn't something in you said hell no this is awful I need to recover my sense of self. I need to recover my, my, my essence. And you did that and you reclaimed and you worked so hard every day. You got up and you had breakfast, even though you, everything in you didn't want to eat that breakfast. You challenged things. You pushed yourself out of your comfort zone and you grew. And you, sometimes I, I find myself getting in that place of, oh, maybe I do, like I want to act on that urge so desperately right now. But sometimes you have to remind yourself that you're literally sitting in the position that you for so long dreamt of. You know, you were like, I want to be in a place where I have my passion back. I want to be striving towards something really meaningful. I want to feel like I have purpose in my day and meaning and I want to have connections. And recovery gives you that. And so I think to myself, you know what, I want to act on an urge right now. But once upon a time, I was dreaming of the position in life that I that I am so, so fortunate enough to be to hold right now and to be in possession of. And it's like, no, if if recovery wasn't worth it, I never would have done it. You know what I mean? I'm not going to act on this urge right now because I not love the person that I've been able to become through recovery. And I know that I was not destined to live a disordered life forever. And I know that because I chose recovery in the first place. You know, if it wasn't worth it, you never would have done it. Mm-hmm. And you did it. And, you know, give yourself some grace. Be like, fuck yeah. Look at me. Look how strong I am. Look at how resilient I am. Look at what I've been through. Look at what I've grown through. Yes, I have a, an urge right now to act on something and to, dist- to destruct myself inevitably, like, ultimately. But I'm not going to do that because instead I'm going to have compassion for myself acknowledge this feeling, validate myself, but also empower myself to act exactly how I don't want to act, how my eating disorder doesn't want to act. I'm going to perform the opposite action with passion and know that it's the right thing to do. <laughs> it's a long-winded uh, way of saying. No, just- I mean, like, I think that last bit you said right there, it was like all the words that came to mind, like self-compassion, validation, like understanding, awareness, empowerment, Right. Like these are like core facet, like core, core things to move through and work through and just have for yourself that so often we don't when we're in the midst of a disorder, disordered relationship or an eating disorder or many other like mental, emotional, physical health issues as well. Right. Like these are values that even general people are struggling to have for themselves or to experience. And so to like to really like call those into your life or like bring those into your life. Like, I just, I love the way you like put that, like that, that, that staging of them, like those experiences, like they're, they're needed in those moments to really pull you through it. Oh gosh. Yeah. The power of self-compassion is underestimated and like allowing yourself to feel like giving yourself unconditional permission to feel, to, to embrace whatever it is you're feeling, to give yourself some 
bloody credit for how far you've come and what you've survived you know mm-hmm. you're still here like some people need to be told that I just want to hold their hand and shake them and say you are surviving despite all of this look at how strong you are look at how resilient you are you are phenomenal give yourself like show some appreciation for yourself give some give your soul some acknowledgement of what it's been through like you're a fierce character and you faced so much and be proud of yourself you know like you've you are an incredible force of nature. That's what I want to tell everybody because everybody has been through hell, some kind of hell. Yep. And the fact that you're still here despite it all is so something we need to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, 100%. Like all trauma is trauma. Right. Like, yeah, like you said, we've all been through a hell of some sort. And I had this woman on the podcast. I'm blanking on her name. Her name is Lauren. And her podcast is Imperfectly Phenomenal Women. Women. And her, the entire concept, right, is that like we are imperfectly phenomenal. And it's remembering that like we are all phenomenal, yet we are still like imperfect, right? And imperfect is just a construct, right? It, it doesn't exist, but it's just that kind of like humbling of like, I feel self-compassion of, yes, we are all phenomenal. We are all phenomenal, but also self-compassion of like, but we're also like human, you know, we're going to have yeah. slip ups. We're going to have old thoughts. We're going to have habits and behaviors and all these things pop up and life is about just like continuously choosing to move forward right like not staying in the past not being stagnant but like choosing forward motion and for some that might be recovery for some it might be this for some it might be that but like I just yeah I kind of want to I was going to ask you like, what, what would be something you'd want to leave everybody with after this conversation? Um, and you're more than welcome to like finish that. But I love that what you said there about like, you are an incredible force of nature. Uh, that is just such a good reminder to have, I suppose. Yeah. And I think, do you know what, if every decision we did, we made, we based off self-compassion, I think we'd be in an incredibly stable mental state. <laughs> right. <laughs> no, like if we all uh, were just if we were uh, subjected to messaging that pertained to self-compassion as often as we were the, that of diet culture and all those other toxic kind of belief systems, we would be, wow, one force to reckon with. True. You know, like, I think that is one thing, yeah, something that I just want to give people. It's like, leave that with yourself. Like, be, Write it down today. Write down, mm-hmm. I'm fierce. You know, believe yes. it. Get that happening. Like, get that some actual, say it out loud. Because you believe it more. I am a fierce human being. And I don't, yeah, I deserve to live unsuppressed. That's what another thing you want to tell people. You're not too much. You're not too much. Don't be afraid to be yourself. Be unapologetically yourself. That's what the world needs. Mm-hmm. And you're, you're incredible. So I incredible. That. I think that's a good practice, actually, like writing it down and saying it aloud. I mean, you think about how diet culture infiltrates our minds. Yes, it's portrayed in people, actions around us, but it's also, you know, things we're reading, things we're hearing. So it's like, let's, let's flip that script. Let's, you know, let's, let's change the narrative. Let's like speak to ourselves and others in that pause, in that way we want to with self-compassion and awareness and gratitude and all those things. And let's write it down. And like, it's just, you know, it can seem like cheesy or weird at the time, but I love like giving myself little pep talks, like, I a hundred percent like I am one of those people that talk to myself and that's it's just it's you need to do that type of stuff you need somebody 
to be speaking those words to you. And if nobody is, or you don't have a podcast or something to speak those words to you, like fucking speak them to yourself. Like, Heck be, yeah. Be an advocate for, right? Like not everyone has a platform like either of us do, but I think so often we forget the most basic form, which is advocating for ourselves, right? And that can be in so, so, so many ways. So. Oh yeah. Um, Giving ourselves some damn acknowledgement of how far we've come yeah heck yeah go us go us (laughs) we're like we're fabulous we are as I say that in all my (laughs) all my little my mind's like no you're not no (laughs) yeah I know exactly right (laughs) literally it's like oh stop that you're like no shut up little inner critic we're fucking phenomenal yes we We all are yeah, I hope whoever's listening can say that right now. Pause the podcast. Pause the podcast. Tell yourself podcast. you're phenomenal. Actually say yeah. it with us. Ready? In three, two, two one. one. I am fucking am phenomenal. Phenomenal. <laughs> I didn't know if we were going to say we are, I are, or something. I know, so. I like, you're, no, <laughs> you're, but we are. We are. We are fucking phenomenal. I love it. But this was absolutely phenomenal. And it's been you're just truly like a light in my day and I oh, could... stop I'm smiling ear to ear me too me too I, I hope like everyone listening is as well <laughs> oh I'm sure this is such a high vibe convo I hope I hope everyone's feeling it so <laughs> uh, it's definitely yeah I want to go kick some goals now too like <laughs> right oh 100 percent. I'm, I'm like empowered I know I'm like it's late here and yet I'm ready to like go give a speech or something I'm like let's go yeah, let's yeah let's <laughs> head talk where are you at yeah, where, where yeah. are you at? <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, where can people find you, connect, just follow along? Like I said, you are truly one of my favorite accounts and, oh, and human beings so behind said account. But um, I just, I want everyone to kind of find you and see uh, oh. just all the work and words you share to really help along the way. Oh, you're so fabulous. So my name is Imogen Barnes and you can actually... My social media personal is Imi Barnes because that's my childhood nickname. But I also run a little uh, little empowerment platform, a little mental health and eating disorder advocacy page that you can find on Instagram at Im. So I am underscore powering. Just a little bit of an empowerment play on words. <laughs> a little conclusive contraction there. Um, and you can, yeah, find me there and we will have some uplifting energy some motivation to recover some unconditional acceptance of who you are yeah let's do it connect with me you can message me i love it i love to find people connection is fierce so let's let's do it Thank you.